Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another podcast. This makes number three. Um, Of course, we are sponsored by Get Fit 24-7, which is a business that myself and my wife both own. Uh, We're located in Houston, Newman, and Hillmar. What we are is we're a club that's open 24-7. Pretty simple. You get a key card, you scan it at the door, the door unlocks, and you have access to the club whenever you'd like. There's no more awkward uh, conversation with the front desk lady or anything like that. You're in and out, on with your life. Um, we got everything from cardio equipment, free weights, stretch area, TRX bands, fitness on demand, um, pretty much anything you need in order to get a workout. Um, of course, we are located in Houston, which the number is 209-883-9388, Hillmar, which is 209-632-0247, and Newman, 209-862-0247. Um, check them out, man. They're a little bit different, a little... Uh, a little different. That's all we can say. It's a different atmosphere. Great people, great members. We love all of our members, which is great. They're, they're great people, and we're happy to have you guys at our clubs. Uh, but other than that, we will have a podcast with Alex Price, who's the owner of the Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu located in Turlock. Here we go. The Michael V Podcast. I'm here with Alex Perez. Um, he's the owner of the Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu in Turlock, California. Um, he started this school a while back, but... Uh, we're going to get it going, ask him a couple questions about it, and just see what his story is. So, welcome, Alex. How are you? Hey, what's up, Mike? Thanks for having me. No problem, man. No problem. What in the heck made you decide to open up a school? When I started training, my instructor at the time, he, uh, I used to hang out with him a lot. So, all he did was run his karate school that he still has in Modesto. And I was like, man, you know what? All he does is train and take naps. You know, <laughs> this is like, I want to do this too. You know, so I kind of... That put the idea in my head where I saw someone else do it, so I thought I could do it too. So I just uh, was doing something I really liked, and I kind of wanted to do that for a living. Opening up your own school, it's not just like you can get a franchise and decide to open it, because if if Alex did something like that, he would have to pretty much hire somebody else in to instruct the classes and all that stuff. So he's actually doing the classes, and you have to do that kind of stuff in order to run the class. So it's it's one of those things where it's it's not like you can just tomorrow open up a jujitsu school, you know, and and that might be why there's not a a lot of them around here. It's because you actually have to grind it out. And, you know, when did you start doing this? How long ago did you start doing it? I started doing jujitsu when I was 19. Uh, I played high school. I played football in high school. I ran track, so I was very competitive. Uh, and when I got out of high school, I was going to play football in junior college, and I got hurt, so I, I couldn't play that season. And then uh, I remember watching like UFC, and I've, I've always had like the I've always liked uh, combative sports like boxing, wrestling, stuff like that. I'm going to jump in really quick, and I just before I forget to ask you, but I, I I wanted to pick your brain really quick because you also did MMA as well too. Yeah. And uh, you told me a story last time which I thought it was crazy. It was about your first match and how you didn't tell anybody. You just went out there, freeballed oh, yeah. it, and just <laughs> went for it. Like what the hell was that? Yeah. Like? So I was a purple belt at the time, and back at this time, nobody. There's only a couple guys in the area that fought MMA, and M- MMA still wasn't legal in California, so you'd have to fight on the Indian reservations. So I was training really hard, and everyone in Turlock knows that. I train all my family and friends and so I, I get my first my first fight signed and I'm super I get really nervous and I get anxiety and stuff so I didn't want any of my friends or anyone that knows me to be there because right. then I didn't want to lose it in front of that them you know sense, so I didn't invite anyone I think a I lot of anyone like my that. parents or anyone you know but it was funny because when I fought they were all there they all showed up somehow so it was crazy and you ended up winning the match <laughs> yeah I ended up winning the match I think it's 
first round, th- I, probably like three minutes in, I, I got the guy's back and I really could choke him. And when you fought him, did you could you tell like the level difference where your ground game was just a little more superior? Um, yeah, so I always tell people that the guys I fought, they weren't that good because this is when MMA was still fairly new and there wasn't that many guys that were specialized in one art, right? So I did jiu-jitsu pretty much every single day, twice a day Jeez. for five or six years before I even fought one time. So yeah, at that time, the guys weren't that skilled, so I, I would say. He just felt the difference. Yeah, huh? yeah. Another reason why I decided to open the school is because my instructor was in a motorcycle accident when I was a blue belt and I had to take the school over and I taught every class. Uh, and so I've, I've been teaching since like I was a blue belt. So I've been teaching probably for like 13 years, you know? So like I, I kind of knew how to run a class right. and I've got a lot of experience, like how to run gyms and how, how it works and all that stuff. So I was like, you know, instead of working for someone else, why don't I just do this on my own? Yeah. You know, which is one of the reasons why a lot of people don't open affiliations if they don't have any jujitsu experience. Because what happens is, um, Usually, people they put the, the the investor puts the money in. He gets the location. He gets all the mats, and it's not real expensive to open the gym. It's just you know you have to get another instructor. You know you bring somebody from Brazil, and then you know either that you know that guy starts missing home and he just takes off and he flies back home, or he does the same thing I do and goes, Ben, I could do this on my own. Yeah. And he opens his own Absolutely. gym and he takes all the students. Yep. You know, so that's that's why that's one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of jujitsu academy. Yeah, because you've been doing it. You started when you were a blue belt, and then I remember I tried the whole ultimate athlete, and that's when you were a purple belt. Mm-hmm. And that was like long. That was purple. Say blue? ten years ago. Ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So he he definitely. <laughs> It doesn't happen overnight. That's another reason too, because it, it takes it takes on average like seven or ten years for someone to earn a black belt in jiu-jitsu, and that's going consistently, you know, at least three to five times a week, you know. Right, and so. you can't really shortcut that either, because it's it's one of those things where if you somehow shortcutted it. It, you're going to be able to tell, you know, you're, you're a black belt, but you just don't have the right movements. Yeah. You can just tell. So you can't really cheat that, you know, which yeah, is pretty cool. You know, you'll, people will come and, and spar with you and they'll know right away, you know. So that's, that's one of the things about jiu-jitsu. And then uh, another story that I remember you actually brought up was uh, you were going to do the ultimate, oh, ultimate, the ultimate fighter. Ultimate yeah. fighter, yeah, back I tried out for two of them. How'd that go? So the first one I tried out for, it was the ultimate fighter six. Uh-huh. It was the welterweight ones, if I'm if I'm correct. I think it was the number six. Who was in that one? It was um, uh, War Machine was in that one. Uh, some there was War Machine. There was a boxer guy. There was a couple good guys in that one. So I went to Vegas. We drove out with a bunch of friends, and uh, so they, they that was the first time I was in Vegas, right? Right. They ended up going out, and I just stayed in the hotel because I had to sleep. So I had to wake up at 7 a.m. the next day. So we tried out at the Palms. Really long process. You got to you have to uh, fill out like a bunch of paperwork and all this stuff. You have to have files and stuff like that. Um, you had to send a tape in. So I had a tape that I sent in to Dana. Uh, and then when I got there, you do. Uh, there's all kinds of people. There's probably, I want to say there's about seven to a thousand people there, 700 Jeez. to a thousand people there. Then you like, you hit mitts and, uh, with some, some of the coaches and you, you do a couple rounds of sparring, uh, on the ground, just grappling. And I remember on that one, I think I, I submitted a couple of the guys that I was rolling with because they make you roll in front of, you know, in front of everybody. And I was hitting the mitts and I was probably one of the only guys that had really good hands. I was doing a lot of boxing at that time. Uh, and I ended up making it to the final 40 out of the, out of the group that was there. Uh, and then at this time, 
they didn't have it where you fight to get into the house. Mm -hmm. So now, like, if you make the, the top 40, then you fight each other, and the ones that are left, those uh, ones stay. Yeah, that's right. So at yeah. that time, yeah. they didn't have that. Uh, when you get to the end, the last interview, they come in and they tell you, uh, well, you know, this is the, you got one more interview, you're going to talk to the, the spike panel. And they tell you right there, they go, we don't care, like, how good you are. That sucks, doesn't matter right man. now. We we you know we want like TV personalities. So like so like they gave us like ten minutes. They go think of something like you know in your head, and when you come in, you know have your best like personality for the for the uh, people who are going to interview. So then I got called in. I was waiting in line, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not good at stuff like this. So they're like there's like a long table, maybe like. 10 or 12 people from Spike TV and they go okay well tell me a little bit about yourself and then I was like had the most boring oh like, man uh, <laughs> intro you know damn <laughs> and then I talked for like three <laughs> minutes and they're like okay thanks <laughs> and then I left it was cool it was a cool experience I, I also tried out for the Chicago one too I don't, I don't know which one that was but when I was there it was uh it was the one that uh Who's that? Uh, Clay Guida was in that one. Oh, yeah, because he was there. So, what weight class were you gonna be in? I would have fought 170 for the first one, and the other one was 155. So, I actually, I actually cut down to 155 for my first two fights, but I ended up fighting at a higher weight because the the guys that, that you know back then sometimes the guys don't show up. Right. So you get there, and then you don't have a fight, and you have to fight somebody else. Mm. So, but it was uh, either 155 or 170. Right. It's a different breed to get in there and have to fight. You know, <laughs> that's not that's something different, man. Um, so we got the UFC fight coming up. We got Conor McGregor versus Alvarez. What do you think? Man, you know what? Before they announced it, I, I, I thought Alvarez would just take him down and and beat him you know pretty easy but now that i think about it i'm like uh alvarez he comes in kind of squared up he doesn't you know he comes in kind of with his hands open yeah and he's a little wild you know and i think that's perfect style for for connor to counter really? and i, I mean alvarez is not the type of guy that's going to take you to the ground and submit you like maya so if he takes connor down mm -hmm. he's just going to hold on to him he's not going to really do any damage to him when they're on the ground but then once connor gets up he can knock him out anytime you know so i think i think connor will probably knock him out maybe second round i think second round yeah, yeah I, I watched the press yeah. conference and uh i don't know man like i think connor was doing what he was doing he was getting in his head and you can tell he was kind of like trying to laugh but you could tell it was really pissing him off too you know it's like oh yeah. man i don't know this is probably <laughs> what he's doing to get in his head and it's working but me and Devin were talking about that too. That's kind of like another thing that sold me after the press conference. I was like, I thought Alvarez was more hood. I thought he was more like, you know, thug. Yeah. And I thought he was going to come out more thug, but he he looked like he was kind of intimidating. Yeah, you know? like I the, see Like it. that spot was too, it was, he was too much on a high stage for him, you know? He yeah, wasn't used to it. That like smiling kind of thing. I was like, oh man, you only do that when you're a little nervous and yeah. you've got nothing to say, you know? But he did get roasted bad by, by McGregor. And then that I, I felt bad for him a couple times. Yeah. The other guy got, kind of punked by Connor yeah. too. Uh, uh, what's that Stevens, guy's name? Is it? Yeah, Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, he came in hot and then Connor <laughs> just laid him out, man. That was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I felt, man, I felt pretty bad for Alvarez when he was talking about it, what he's going to get paid for this fight. And I, I was know. like, oh, dude, he just, he went, he went to the heart right away. But see, I, I'm wondering, like, if, if that's his last contract with UFC, because if it's his last contract with UFC, oh, it could be. then that makes sense, because it if he wins, sense. then he can renegotiate and he can make some big money. Or if it's not, then yeah, he is kind of an idiot. Cause he might, he might have got, he might have felt some pressure, like, I better take this fight or I'm going to lose it to somebody yeah, else. that's true. And 
then maybe just, you know, he's, he's going to take a risk on himself and maybe he could beat Connor and then maybe get a rematch and make some real money. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Even though he's a, cha well, he's a champion he's too. He's a champion, huh? but he's probably only yeah. going to make like 60, no more than 60,000, I think. 30 to 60, that's probably what he's made. That's, I think that's what he made the last fight. And UFC is going to make some crazy money. Yeah, Connor's probably going to make more than a million for this fight. Jeez, that's nuts, man. That's crazy. So we'll end it right there. I appreciate you doing it, man. I know we kind of tried to get it going and finally got it going. No, I'll take no problem, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> finally got it. Um, you want to plug in your school, your address, and uh, your Instagram link as well, too. Yeah, I have uh, my academies here in Turlock at uh, 1608 Folkerth Road. It's right across the street from uh, Enterprise Car Rental. Um, my website is Turlock. Jiu-Jitsu, J-I-U-J-I-T-S-U.com. So if you want to check out, you want to get some information on the academy, just go to the website. You can contact me there through the email. Uh, my Instagram is Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu uh, Turlock. I think that's it. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure. Or you could go to my Facebook page, Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu Turlock. Right on. I appreciate it. Thank you again. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you.